You could be a deep well in your Christology and, and meditating on Christ, but you could still be a kiddie pool when yeah. it comes to your pneumatology. Yeah. And that is a danger. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. I can't wait to share my conversation with today's guest with you. Costi Hinn is a voice of clarity in a world filled with prosperity gospel confusion. Formerly surrounded by the opulence and excesses of the Word of Faith movement, he left it all for an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ based on the truth of His Word. Today, Costi serves as the teaching pastor at Shepherd's House Bible Church in Chandler, Arizona. He is currently completing his doctorate work at the Master's Seminary. Today, he's here to discuss his latest book, Knowing the Spirit, who he is, what he does, and how he can transform your Christian life, which takes a deep dive into the true nature and work of the Holy Spirit. He is married to Christine, and they have five children. Now, on to our candid conversation. Today, my guest is Costi Hinn. He is the teaching pastor of the Shepherd's House Bible Church in Chandler, Arizona. He is the founder and president of For the Gospel. He's authored several books and co-authored multiple children's titles alongside his wife. And he's currently working on his doctorate at the Master's Seminary alongside myself. Uh, He and his wife, Christine, are the joyful parents of five children. And he's got a new book that's just come out. And it's called Knowing the Spirit, Who He Is, What He Does, and How He Can Transform Your Christian Life. Costi, thank you so much for taking the time to be on Candid Conversations. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. So, Costi, you are the nephew of Benny Hinn, the well-known TV evangelist, and that's a little bit of your background and your story. So I wonder if you could, you know, for maybe some of our listeners who aren't familiar with you or your uh, involvement with uh, American Gospel or any of those things or your books, just sort of introduce yourself to us. Yeah, well, right now I pastor a Bible church. I'm thankful we planted 18 months ago and get to be a part of a, a media ministry that I launched called For the Gospel, where we just put out resources similar, honestly, to literally what we're doing right now. Yeah, uh, Videos, teaching, series, articles. We use a lot of social media and YouTube and find that in this media-driven age, uh, there's a lot of great opportunity to yeah. equip people. Yeah, And we can let the world do that and false teachers bombard the airwaves unopposed or we could utilize technology and the Word of God and push that out. So we do that. And But years ago uh, now, I was, well, I guess even decades ago, I'm getting old. I uh, grew up in the Word of Faith movement, the prosperity gospel. This kind of our circles. My uncle, obviously, being one of the most notable faith healers and prosperity gospel preachers for, you know, 40-plus years. My dad as well, he planted a church in Vancouver, British Columbia that I grew up in, up in Canada. That was a similar driving ministry with healing and prosperity and all those things. And so growing up, saw all that, lived the lifestyle, the prosperity gospel, 
very wealthy, you know, kind of the multi-home rock star lifestyle, but also high loyalty. So I've always described it as a, a mixture between the royal family and the mafia. So royal family <laughs> is the wealth, the prestige, that lifestyle. Yeah. Then mafia is loyalty. It, you never, ever turn your back on family. And then to boot, we're a Middle Eastern family. So uh, we're kindred hearts aware, here. There's a loyalty there. Yeah. Uh, we're We're tight. And yeah. we're close and we get each other's backs. And so uh, all of that was was my life. My identity was built in that. I got older and ended up getting saved by the power of the true gospel mm. and sound doctrine mm. and the sovereignty of God. Jesus healing ministry, uh, the gospel in its simplicity that Jesus didn't die to make me happy, healthy and wealthy he didn't guarantee my healing because he died on the cross on this side of heaven, certainly right. in glory. Uh, he didn't become poor, so I would become uh, LeBron James rich. All of that is spiritual. The abundant life isn't that you know we're all going to drive Bentleys and declare and decree in Jesus' name whatever we want and get right. stuff. Yeah. So God went from being a puppet mm. and myself, the puppet master who mm. controls him, yeah. to me being the clay, he's the potter, all of that got flipped upside down. And of wow. course, now, years later, I love to write and teach and preach and shepherd and and serve the flock of God the right way with sound doctrine. And that's where books like this come from, is just wanting people to have the right understanding of God, because mm. it will impact your life now, but also life to come. Yeah. So, thinking about family thinking of the mafia illustration, how is a person such as yourself treated amongst your family now that you've sort of in some sense separated from the doctrines and beliefs that they hold to and are moving in a different direction? Well, uh, some people are not happy, obviously, and so that comes with unique challenges. I would say it's a spectrum. Yeah. Early on, like the first couple of years, I was pretty much totally cut off. Mm. And I went to my family and I had conversations. And I would say I was probably well-intentioned, but ignorant of the consequences. Yeah, Maybe not ignorant of what Jesus said. I knew that he said he'd be the dividing line and, and that you could be you know, slandered or persecuted, whatever. Yeah. Um, even my challenges are nothing compared to brothers and sisters around the world being genuinely persecuted, their yeah. lives at stake. Yeah. I sat down, though, with certain family members, and I opened my Bible in one instance and read First Timothy 3, 1 through 7, and said, hey, I want to read you this, and I, I just want you to know that you are, based on what the Bible teaches, not qualified, and you're actually wolves. But I believe if you would repent of your sin and you'd turn from that and you'd follow Christ, and I know some great guys that would love to help you. I could just ask them. I'm sure they would. You know, uh, one of them, I don't, maybe you guys know him or, or don't like him all the time, but like John MacArthur, there's people that would help you, like Justin Peters. And I just start naming guys that I've been listening to. And like, oh, my family members face to just anger. And they and I knew said, the names. You know, we're, you're, you're none of these things. But so you should step out of ministry and then repent, and then you could be restored to certainly serving the Lord in some capacity, but yeah. I just want you to be saved and go from darkness to light. So that was like ignorant but well-intentioned, and I figured if the Lord could do it for me, he could do it for them. So that got me, that was like, how dare you, you know, the whole like pounding the table type yeah. thing. Yeah. 
years go by, one of my uh, siblings went to Bethel to become a prophetess and studied under Chris Vallotton, who's there, and Bill Johnson. And so the family, all the family, goes that route. Right. Uh, some of them have worked with Todd White or different teachers and preachers that we would not align with at all. And that was tough, really, really tough. Just go into like some of the details of having a pretty tough life financially, uh, being on food stamps, just mm. cut off. Like mm. it's not a sob story for me. I know so many people struggle yeah. much worse. And But yeah. for us, it, and it wasn't like, oh, we were poor little rich people still with like big savings <laughs> account and like <laughs> right. a really nice yeah, apartment. Right. When I say yeah. like we lived yeah. in a dingy apartment, we ended up in like mm. a black mold place and like sick. Like we, we had nothing. Everything was gone. Mm. And I gave stuff away and got rid of other things that were from that world. So mm. I didn't think to like sell stuff like Louis Vuittons and and really expensive things to pay for like seminary or I should have. <laughs> um, all of that was tough. Yeah. In that though, there was a peace mm. and there was a joy. Wow. And then years later now, I have really good dialogue with my parents. I love them deeply. We get along, we talk. I don't agree with everything that a lot of my family members teach, yeah. much of what they teach. I still have siblings and other family members and cousins that are really down some some dangerous paths. Mm. But like probably people that are listening to it, I'm on the journey too. I, it keeps me prayerful, yeah. certainly keeps me humbled. I can't make them believe. That's humbling. Right. I can't make God do it. I, I right. plead with him to save them. But uh, we are reminded daily that he is the author of salvation. Mm. He also, in his good timing, saw fit to open my eyes. He didn't do that at 13 or yeah. at 20 or at even you know 23. He did that in his timing when he did. Amen. So there's this humbling and and patience and yet prayerfulness that I live in, like so many people do, wanting my family members to be saved. And then the last challenge is just, I write stuff like this book or other books or or preach sermons, and I preach the word the way it needs to be preached. And that comes with some backlash, whether it be just, you know, meaningless or shallow death threats or uh, threats of like, you're going to get the curses are going to come on you or your kids are going to get sick or your wife will be barren. Like I've had like false prophets prophesy over me and against me that for coming against the Lord's anointed, Mm. you know, my wife was going to be barren. I like sneeze on her and she keeps getting pregnant. So we're having the opposite (laughs) effect of that prophecy. Now I think we're done at five, but like, man, I need a sprinter van. Yeah. Um, Next. So all of that, it's a story like anyone else's. It's just wild that God is kind and mm, great. trust Him every day. Yeah. Sort of shifting gears to the book, knowing the Spirit. So why this book? Why the Holy Spirit? What was sort of on your heart that led to the writing of this? Yeah, so one avenue is the abuses and mm. the confusion about yeah. the Holy Spirit's work, yeah. obviously. Yeah. And some of the, what I would describe as like charismatic extremism. I'm not painting every Pentecostal with a broad brush here saying, oh, they're all going to hell or they're all wrong about everything. Right. We have disagreements within sure. the family of God. But I would say the charismatic extremism, the abuses, the twisting of the Spirit's work. But then also, I did a ton of other research and was finding these studies and these surveys incredibly disturbing. One of them put out by Arizona Christian University, who's yeah. just in my backyard out here. Yeah. And they found that 58% of the people in their study 
I don't really believe the Holy Spirit is God, which basically you don't really believe in him at all. Yeah. And then Ligonier Ministries put out a study. I believe Lifeway published it. I know a lot of like different studies were coming out in surveys over the last several years regarding orthodoxy. And the stuff that people believe or don't believe about the Holy Spirit blows your mind because you think, well, that's orthodox. Wait, you don't believe he's God or yeah. you don't believe he's a person? People call him an it. Yes, and it, maybe yeah. someone's listening. They're like, "What? I oops, you know, I don't feel overly bad." You, some people are, are not taught, or they've never heard that. So yeah. he's called an it. He's used and abused, if you will. Although yeah. I, I get you can't literally abuse God, but you know what I mean when I say that. Ver, um, yeah, the yeah. information misunderstanding, about him, mis- ministry. Yeah. yeah, used, twisted, abused for foolish purposes. Yeah, he's misrepresented. Yeah, certainly some of the worst PR that around, <laughs> and then. Some people also don't know what to do with him. So even the the conservative types, the reformed types, yes. are like, well, I don't want to come off like a crazy charismatic. So yeah. you know, right. let's just I, I don't know what him. to do, but just don't don't make any sudden moves. You know <laughs> that idea. So I thought I want to write a book that is it's got the right tone. It's yeah. got all the truth that we need, and I know by chapters like seven and eight the. You know, Pentecostals and Charismatics are going to be like, yep, don't agree with you, Costi. But what if I made the case and I presented things from Scripture? And yeah. at the very least, if we don't agree, we don't agree because of the way that we're interpreting the Scripture. Yes, so right. hermeneutics could come into play and in the right. way that we are going to apply that. But, man, we can get all of the essentials right together. Yeah. And that's the heart behind the book. Mm. What are some of the abuses? Let's just kind of put our toes in the water a little bit here. What are some of the abuses that you've seen? And let's do both sides of the argument. So there's the, as you described it, the sort of extreme charismatic Pentecostal abuses. But then there can be abuses or negligence, I would almost put it, It can even come from the Reformed camp. So good. That's in line with the way the book's written. Uh, we, I pick on our own, if you will. Uh, As we, we gotta should, be fair. right? It, yeah. We have to be. and Because it's about the truth. Right. Well, abuses and twisted misuses, if you will, of, of pneumatology, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, mm. in maybe the charismatic extreme circles would be a misrepresentation of his character, uh, using him as sort of a mystical force, like they yeah. view the Holy Spirit as sort of this force. He's mystical. His personhood's not always clear, yeah. but then they overdo his personhood. Like in one service that I remember clearly I was in, and then, of course, this is wide around the movement. You'll have people say, like, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And you're like, what do you mean? And they would, we would get yelled at if we like moved too much in a service or, when like babies cry or like an usher moves, there's actually footage out there of me of me catching the people who are being slain in the spirit. And you'll see in different services, you know, whether it was my uncle or some other faith healer shouting, like if somebody moved, like, don't move, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And it's almost like he's this skittish, timid Casper, the friendly ghost that you don't want to scare away. So everybody's really insecure. And then in other ways, you have... Um, you know, like Bethel was doing these fire tunnels for a while. I know mm-hmm. Lifestyle Christianity does them with Todd White. And and the, the Holy Spirit's fire is said to be falling upon people. And, and you got to get touched the right way or by the right person. And so you have all this mysticism and yeah. emotionalism. Yes. People being slain in the Spirit, rolling, convulsing, falling. And, and that's supposed to be Him. And if you don't experience that, you're not experiencing the fullness of the Spirit, they mm. would say. But on the other side, look, 
you've got emotionalism and you've got charismatic extremism. Well, I think you have stoicism yeah. and rationalistic Christianity. Yeah. And you could have, I'll just kind of paint this in a picture for you, you know, people that think, well, I just love rich theology, me too, and I'm just going to sing these lyrics right now for what they are, and we don't want to get too emotional now, and, and so right. we, we think upon them because it's an exercise of the mind. Yes yeah, and amen, right, me too. Right, sure. And then, you know, but somebody kind of mm. raises their hand, or like I was preaching uh, Psalm 19 on Sunday, and the first section is the world, meaning the, God's creation or the sky, and then the second half is the scriptures or the word. And David's meditating on both and just declaring the glory of God. He says, "The heavens declare the glory of God." So let's say we we're singing that, and you're the you're the uh, the crazy charismatic over there. We might think, and <laughs> and I'm the reformed guy, and I'm sitting there. The heavens declare the glory of God, and I'm sitting there, and, and I see a hand or a flash, and you know you're over there. The heavens declare your glory. God, thank you. And you do this. I'm like, oh, here we go. Here comes the charismatic raising their hands and doing this. And, and now there's emotionalistic How expressions. You? You're a distraction. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, we judge everything. Everything. With such a, a, a tight and stringent, you know, scorecard. Yeah. Where is that? Well, it's regulative principle, Costi. Right. Okay. Well, you're going to have some trouble with David then in the Psalms. Right. Well, that's not commanded that we do that. Okay, fine. But in the end, you can disagree on various things. But then it goes further is, you know, I talk to people that they don't even mention the Holy Spirit in their prayers because yeah. they're not sure what to do. They don't want to be weird. Well, do I talk to him? He only exists now to glorify Christ. That's what Jesus says in John sixteen fourteen. So, you know, if we put too much attention on him, he would be offended. He wouldn't like that anyway. So we'll just talk about Christ. And then you have really bad books like The Shack. And I'm sorry if someone's upset about this, but I, and I liked The Shack when it first came out. I was very ignorant of these things theologically. I wasn't even converted yet, but I liked The Shack. Why? What made sense? Sure. You have this African-American yeah. woman is the depiction of the father, welcoming, yeah. hospitable, yeah. warm, inviting. It's like, Relatable, the cool. yeah. Jesus the carpenter. Yeah. It's like, I get that. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is this mystical, floaty thing. And so you have, I think, a lot of different uh, bad presentations. Well, one of the ways that we poorly represent him in the Reformed world, if you will, is by making him out to be sort of this less than. Like, we don't want to put a lot of attention on him. Yeah. Don't really sing about him a lot. Right. Don't talk about him a lot, because you're going to offend, you know, the Father and the Son. You're going to yeah. grieve him, because you're not glorifying That's in Christ. Right. Well, he's what not if, co-equal you know, in some sense, right? <laughs> yeah, he's not a less than. So, to kind of pick on all sides in that, I think we all can learn again from the Scriptures and have a better relationship. I loved when when we prayed before the show. You refer to him as our best friend. Yeah. Well, the helper, paraclete, yeah. advocate. Like he's dwelling in us. He should be viewed in a personal way. Yeah. So shouldn't we acknowledge his work more and yeah. just do it the right way mm. rather than overswing from the extremes? by relegating him sort of awkwardly in the corner altogether, because we're not really sure, and we don't want to be accused of being a charismatic. Yeah. You know, that idea, I don't think that's helpful as well. Well, I love the balanced approach that you have in your book, because I think you're right. It's so easy for us to critique and criticize some extreme group and to assume, well, we're not that, so, you know, that's their thing, and assume we have it all right. But there's 
you know, Scripture's always challenging us and reminding us of truth. And, and if we keep just saying, well, we're not the crazy extreme group and then feel sort of self-justified, uh, it, it's totally unhelpful. We need to be challenged by all these things. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the consequences, I don't know if that's the right word, or the outcomes that you've seen in the lives of people who have misunderstood or misperceived the Holy Spirit? And maybe that's from your own family, or or, or maybe it is even from you know a Reformed group. What are yep. some of the fallout of that? Yeah, great question. Well, first of all, you're going to miss the aspects of his deity and his yeah. personhood and a right understanding and right relationship with him. If you misrepresent or misunderstand him completely, you end up yeah. in error. Yeah. That's an essential. So if you're getting the Trinity wrong and you've you're got God a third wrong. member of the Godhead wrong, yeah. we got a salvation issue. So yeah. I would say the doctrine of the Holy Spirit matters because salvation matters. Mm. He is God. He is a person, and he is personal. So you want to get those three things right, and how he's God and why he's God, Mm. and that he is a person and how he is a person, and then that he's personal, meaning he's involved in our life. Yeah. How am I supposed to uh, relate to, if you will, or relate with the Holy Spirit, relationship with him? Uh, There's that. So if you get that wrong in the abuses, you're in trouble. On the flip side, I think there is a, a dryness a stoicism, an emptiness, a lack of vibrancy in the Reformed community, which Mm. I am a part of, Mm. when you neglect his work. Not all, just when you neglect his work. And to be honest, I think of a sermon by Paul Washer. Like, this stuff gets preached. It gets talked about. I'm not saying anything that's different than what we all think. Paul Washer, G3, 2021, and he's preaching about, and he uses the word intimate, having an intimate relationship with God, which just means close. Yeah. And he's, in a way, you know, people go, oh, that's a weird word. You know, don't, that's kind of like, didn't Bethel yeah. always talk about intimacy with God? Well, right. let's steal back the term, okay? It means close, personal, <laughs> right. and you are very much acquainted with the details of this individual or, yeah. or this subject. Well, yeah. shouldn't we be that way with the Spirit of God, God the Spirit? So mm. that washer sermon. He says, now I am Reformed Baptist. He prefaces it. But you will not take the supernatural away from me. And a washer goes <laughs> off. And he says, and I'm not talking about silly boys with their silly gifts, meaning the these guys out there, these charlatans playing yeah. around with the gifts of the Spirit, misrepresenting the Lord yeah. and the Holy Spirit and his work. And he goes on this tangent, and he talks about the vibrancy of a, our prayer life and the importance of being close to God. Mm. Well, why? Well, because we all need the reminder when we have doctrine. Look, if you've got a right understanding of God you're and the gospel and you believe in FA, I get it. You're not going to hell. I understand. You, right. you love the Lord and you're yeah. saved. Yeah. However, you could have a you know, a deep well of understanding in your theology proper, your understanding of God and his attributes. You could be a deep well in your Christology and and meditating on Christ, but you could still be a a kiddie pool when it comes to your pneumatology. Pneumatology, And that is a danger. Mm. Why? It's a deficient understanding and relationship with our triune God. So, I would just lobby for a little more balance there, a little more uh, emphasis and appreciation, even reverence, because now I'll add one more element in the evangelical world where someone's like, look, we're not doing fire tunnels, okay? And nor are we, you know, reformed Stoics. Right. Well, you have, I think, a lot of 
immaturity and ignorance in these circles that they set the mood. You know, they got the lighting, yeah. the fog machine and all of that. And they're just Ambiance, like, holy yeah. spirit, we just want to create this environment where you come and we just welcome you. Please come. And we're yeah. we're beckoning him. And why? Because our understanding is infantile. Shallow, we're yeah. not treating him like God. Mm. He's omnipresent. Mm. Who entered whose presence first? Right. You, you don't invite him. Like, please come. He's there. Why don't you thank him that he let you come? Yeah. Like, we're, yeah, that's we're right. the temple of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's right. So, how would you categorize those three? Like completely off the rails, right? Um, you know, you're heading to hell. You have the Trinity wrong. Yeah. Uh, then you have immaturity, immaturity and ignorance. Yeah. And then you have silence. You know, an emptiness. A, yeah. A, a deficiency. Yeah. So damnation, immaturity, and deficiency maybe would be the spectrum. So go buy Costi's book. <laughs> read the bible please read the bible <laughs> well but that's the that's the beauty of your book is not uh here's costi's you know top 10 thoughts on what he thinks of the holy spirit it's here's what costi reads in the bible and he's trying to show you the outcomes of that so it's just making all of that come together you know because because you're right i mean the spirit's he's the author of scripture he's appears uh, Occasionally in the Old Testament, he's more a little bit more apparent in the in the New Testament, but he's always in and through and around. And there's enough there for us to have this understanding. Now he's still a mystery in some sense. The Godhead has yeah. things that have, we won't fully understand till glory. But at the same time, there are things that have been revealed to us. And for the believer who has that hungering and thirsting for righteousness and to grow in intimacy with our God, then this is an aspect of him. This is a one of the persons of the Godhead, and we should desire to grow in our knowledge and love of him. I think that's what you're getting in your book, and I, and I just, I find it so helpful and refreshing. Again, you talk about the three sort of divisions of places where we can get it wrong, and I mean, even if you were to go around the world, I think you would find that exponentially, right? There's just, there's so much, and it comes back to, and we could talk about this just for a little bit, but this comes back to teaching. What sort of churches are we sitting in? What sort of teaching are we sitting under mm. and informing us? And I think, you know, you and I are obviously in a uh, in a preaching program at Masters, and we're hearing it all the time, just the, whether it's a, a shallowness or a, a people's lack of understanding themselves and the fear of teaching it, or, or is it, you know, who knows? But it's, you know, I think people need to be willing to ask hard questions of the leadership of the church that they're sitting under. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. There's ways to equip the congregation. And, you know, whether that be teaching a class on this topic, yeah. whether it be doing a series in your pulpit. I mean, I know we're we're expositional guys. It's like, yep. yeah, we always ask each other, like, hey, what book are you preaching through right, right now? And it's almost like, well, I'm in a topical series. What in the world? Have you gone <laughs> off the rails? You know, just teasing. But it's only no, a week. It, it, our preaching professors call them, you know, topical textual, meaning you take a topic and you, you identify texts that are uh, driving that topic biblically and with yeah. right hermeneutics, and then yeah. you preach those. So there's nothing wrong with doing a topical series on the right. Holy Spirit and expositing various passages about His work and equip your congregation. Yeah. For me, the podcast, I mean, even what you're doing with what your ministry is doing yeah. and what we're trying to do, it you can use your podcast to put out resources. Yeah. I have a friend who calls podcasting 
Dr. Lawson, please plug your ears if you hear this. Uh, he calls podcasting the new Sunday night service because no one, <laughs> no one has them anymore. Uh, I would love one if we, if the Lord provides us with a building one day. I'm like, can we get Sunday night, Wednesday night? Oh, yeah. But the old school church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then yes. Wednesday night. Well, nowadays, a lot of Sunday morning, and then people will yeah. fellowship together in, on Sunday afternoon and evening. But in general, you don't. So, what can we do though? Well, you can have a podcast and you can have that episode come out on Monday and somebody could be driving to work and listening to you as their pastor yeah. teach on these things and you're blessing them with with another avenue for the word of God. And that is all going to contribute to right understanding on the Holy Spirit. Now, you could be in a series on Ruth, the book of Genesis, book of Ephesians, right. book of Revelation, um, you, you know, and this is coming alongside Paul's it, words, yeah. Husbands and wives, yeah. You've got it, yeah. Holy Spirit series, whatever yeah. you can talk about the sovereignty of God, His attributes, all yeah. of the above, yeah. Well, Costi, I can't recommend the book enough to people who are interested, want to grow. Maybe somebody's listening to this and going, "I don't think I fully understand the Holy Spirit." That's okay. We got to start somewhere. But yeah. the thing is, drive into it. You know, run headlong into it, and 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 just devour and read good books and and open up your bible and look for places where the spirits where he's being taught or just put your head in there get it in your head and and uh, be encouraged so that's what we want to encourage people to do any sort of last closing thoughts before we head out on this book uh don't miss two things don't miss the last chapter on unity please there is a word to charismatics and there is a word to the reformed uh, and I, I want to encourage both. So don't miss the chapter on the unity of the Spirit. And then also, the each chapter has a section called Learning to Live, and then there's study questions after. The Learning to Live is a summation of the chapter by way of application. So what I, you know, I'll explain everything in the chapter, dig in, take you through everything. There's like charts. I, I love visuals. Then the, at the end, it's Learning to Live. It's basically, so what should we do? How do we yeah. put this into practice? Yeah. And I would encourage people. My friend always says, "Don't just we don't just learn to learn. We learn to live. That's yeah. what the scriptures ought to do. They Amen. teach us, and then we go live Send them us out. out. Yeah. And so that may be helpful. And the questions at the end could be for somebody's Bible study or like with themselves, the yeah. devotional yeah. for themselves, or a, a group. small group. Yeah. So just. Those are helpful tools in there that put some work into for people. A great resource. Well, if you are interested in Costi's testimony and his background, you can get God, Greed, and the Prosperity Gospel. That's your other book, right? And then, yep. of course, we want to encourage you, and I think this comes out today. This is airing on September 12th. Knowing the Spirit, who He is, what He does, and how He can transform your Christian life. Costi Hinn, such a pleasure to be with you, brother. Thank you so much, my friend. I'm, uh, I'll hopefully get to see you soon over there. That'd be great. God bless. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.